0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a
1: word from God today.
2: Okay, if you could stand with us, and if Anthony or Dave could bring up our First Chronicles 16, 8-12. As the people of God, let's say this scripture verse together. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always, remember the wonders he has done his miracles and the judgments he, he pronounced. pronounced amen and we'd like to open with a song called to god be the glory page number 49 in the hymn books i see they made an appearance out in the foyer so kathy's going to leave Vai And we'd just like to prepare our hearts for the Word of God. You may be seated this morning. Again, we appreciate Luke and his ministry to uh, Ripon College through his house. And uh, Luke, you got more people waiting in the wings. Katie has been accepted at Fox Valley Tech, and she'll be uh, a freshman in college next year. So, uh, and, and thanks for bringing some of your your people here to Hillside. So God bless you, Luke, as you uh, bring God's word today.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Mike and worship team. It's good to be here with you this morning. Um, so my, uh, my family is not here with me this morning. I, uh, I am married. I've been married for, it'll be 20 years this uh, coming June. So praise God for that to my wife, Michaela. But she, uh, she stepped off a curb at Culver's and stepped right onto a hard piece of ice and sprained her ankle really badly so thankfully it's not broken here and uh, my daughter Adalie is a 10th year doing ministry oh so, uh, that's my family and uh, we have been here this is our 10th year doing ministry at Ripon College uh, I work as Mike said for an organization called His House Christian Fellowship and so um, it's it's been an awesome journey and uh, so it's, it's been really fun. And I get to work with Mandy, who I know you guys know well. She's been here and I know uh, taught a couple of times. And so um, she has, been, this is her ninth year. So we've gotten to be in partnership for nine years, which has been awesome. And so uh, His House Christian Fellowship, we really have just kind of three like, main values. And that's to follow Jesus, share life, and change the world. And so that's, that's what we're all about at His House Christian Fellowship. And so um, it's, it's a really awesome time that we get to engage with students at a really unique moment in their lives. When they're really, some, many of them are coming from church backgrounds, many are not. And so they have the opportunity to say, what do I want to do as far as a relationship with Jesus? What are my habits going to be for life what am I going to pursue? And so now we have, now that we've been here for a number of years, we have alum that are doing all sorts of things uh, all, over, all over the country and all over the world. And uh, so it's neat to see God send them out into the careers He's prepared them for uh, and into the churches that they attend. And so that's, that's what we're all about. And we want to just continue to thank you for your partnership with His House your support for me and Mandy, your prayers. Uh, we, we do all sorts of things. We share. I'll call Pastor Eric up and be like, do you guys have a big coffee pot? Uh, and he's like, yeah, come on over and grab it. And so it's just a great partnership. And you guys probably know that your Pastor Eric used to be in college ministry himself. So it's really great for Mandy and I to have someone who's kind of been in the trenches and understands what we're going through and kind of what what things we're dealing with. And so it's just a great partnership that we have with Hillside. And so we really love and appreciate you all. And so um, Pastor Eric actually called Mandy first, and I was with her when she got the call. Um, and so, you know, I tried not to be offended that she was the first call. <laughs> I understand. I'm, I'm the backup here. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but no, it was, it was great. And, and then she was kind of like, I don't know. And then I was like, well, I'll I'll do it, (laughs) and so um, it's it's just an honor to get to come and be with you guys this morning, and so I'm excited for what God has for us in His Word today. And so today we're actually going to look at an encounter with Jesus, and specifically I want us to encounter Jesus as the resurrection and the life. So if you have a Bible, whether it's on your phone or uh, in paper, we're going to be in John chapter 11. John chapter 11 this morning. And we're actually blessed in our passage this morning because even though it's one story, there's not one, not two, not three, but four encounters with Jesus that are going to help us encounter him as the resurrection and the life. So encounter one is between Jesus and his disciples. Encounter two is between Jesus and Martha. Encounter three is between Jesus and and Mary and the Jews that have come to comfort her, and then encounter four is between Jesus and Lazarus. So those are the encounters we're going to look at this morning. But before we jump into our text, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, help us to come humbly, because we need to hear from you. We need to have our wrong, our stinking thinking corrected, we need, to, we need to bring the sins that so easily entangle us before you and repent. God, we're sorry. And we need you. We need your forgiveness, but we also need your healing and your righteousness to come in and restore and lead us to life. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you are the resurrection and the life. That you are hurting Need your touch. So please, God, restore us this morning. Help us to see and trust you as our resurrection and our life. Amen. So thank you for this time that we get to spend together in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, we're going to jump right into the text. So chapter, John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. All right, let's just stop right there for a minute. So verses 1 to 3 are the introduction to this story, setting the stage for what's about to happen. So it introduces the characters and the conflict. Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, is ill, and these are dear friends of Jesus. And then look again at verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This is the first of three purpose statements in our passage. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen, and he knew the purpose. It was for the glory of God. And this is the ultimate purpose of God for us, for everything. Everything, including us, exists for the glory of God. That's why we were created. You see, life is not about you or me. It's about God. And when we understand and embrace and live into that truth, suddenly life starts to make a whole lot more sense because we are finally living for the purpose that God made us for. So let me ask you this morning, whose glory are you living for? Who are you living for? Jesus knew that everything was about the glory of God. And God tells us that over and over and over again. We, we sang songs about that. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. It's over and over and over again. In scripture, and yet we have this tendency to slip back into making life about me, to thinking that I am the main character, that this is my story, this is my play about me, and I'm the one on stage, and everyone needs to look at me, and everyone is looking at me. But when we start to slip into that kind of stinking thinking, Life starts to sort of spiral out of control, and then we try to grab desperately to try to control everything. But that's not how life was meant to be lived. And so, when we have God at the center of our lives, and we realize that we orbit around Him, that it's His story, not ours, but that He invites us into His story that He's been telling from the beginning. That's where we can get excited. That's where we can find our purpose and life's true meaning. And we will never be truly happy or fully satisfied or at peace until we're living the purpose for which God made us. All right, let's keep reading. So it says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill... He stayed two days longer in the place to stay where you were. His illness would not end in death and that its purpose was for his glory. So he knew what was going to happen. He knew what he was going to do. He had a plan and he was in control. And still, it's not how we would expect him to respond, right? So what about you? Have you been sending any news up to God lately, <laughs> right? Like the sisters, send news. Have you been sending news to God and it seems like his response is slow in coming yeah. or, or it's not what you expected or were hoping that it would be? The sisters probably hoped to see Jesus a few days earlier, right? And so will you trust God's love even when you don't understand his timing? Will you trust his plan, even when it's not working on your timetable? You see, if you are trusting Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then you never, ever have to doubt his love for you. And in fact, even if you're not trusting in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you never have to doubt his love for you because he does love you. And he proved it by dying on the cross for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. God's word is full of his promises of love for his people. But what he does not promise is that he will always explain himself. Or share his plan with us ahead of time. Right? Or give us an account of all of his timing. (laughs) But will you trust him? Will you trust his love even when you don't understand his plan? Will you let go of your plan and submit to his? Will you trust the one who loves you more than you even love yourself? Who loves your loved ones more than you could ever love them? Who knows infinitely more than we could ever know and whose plan is for our good? He's inviting you to trust him today. So verse seven finally begins our first encounter between Jesus and his disciples. So verse seven says, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Are you nuts? <laughs> and the disciples are right in what they're saying the Jews really had sought to stone Jesus not that long ago and they had left Jerusalem and the Judea region because of that and so they're like are you serious right now <laughs> in in fact in the gospel of John it was just in chapter 10 when they sought to stone him so the disciples are like really and Jesus answer in verses 9 and 10 is one of those classic Jesus answers Jesus answered are there not 12 hours in the day? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, we were just asking you, are, do you really want to go back to where they're trying to stone you? And Jesus is like, hey, are there 12 hours in the day? <laughs> I love Jesus. He just, he, just, he just keeps us off balance a little bit, you know? But then he says, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So he answers their question with a question. And at first glance, it seems completely unrelated. But it's a rhetorical question. The obvious answer is, yes, there's 12 hours of, in the day generally, right? It's, it's light during the day. And so he's reminding them that he is the light of the world. Because in John eight twelve, Jesus said, I am the light of light of life. Go back to where... And so he's reminding his disciples that as long as they follow him, they're good, because he's the light of the world. So no matter how dark the darkness seems like that we're walking into, if we're going with the light of the world, we're good. Now we know from the Bible and from history and from our own experience that good, we're good, doesn't mean pain or trial free, right? All of the disciples followed Jesus and were persecuted for their faith. And all but two of them, Judas, who didn't follow Jesus, and John, were actually killed because they trusted and followed Jesus. Following Jesus does not mean freedom from trials or pain. It means something even better, that the God of the universe, the King who came and gave his life for us and rose again, will be with us through the trials and the pain. It means that we have his love and power and freedom and peace and joy, life in him that outlasts and far surpasses every trial or any pain we could ever experience. As the Apostle Paul, someone else who suffered greatly for his faith, he wrote in 2 Corinthians 4 16 to 18, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, <laughs> I, I just turned 42. No, 41. See, I can't even remember. I just turned 41. Yes, 41. And uh, I feel, I, I'm starting to feel still, though, the outer outer man wasting away, you know. (laughs) I play soccer with Adrian and Hannah, um, and uh, I definitely see these young people running all over the field, and I'm glad I play goalie. Um, So so, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And listen to what Paul, the person who, who God said, I will show him how much he must suffer for me. He says, for this light, momentary affliction. This is a guy who was beaten by rods, shipwrecked, stoned and left for dead. I mean, he, he lived a crazy life of suffering. And he says, this light and momentary affliction is doing something, he says. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Where's our focus? Is it on the light momentary affliction, the pain and the trials, or is it on the light of the world, Jesus? So keep your eyes on Jesus. Back to our passage. Verse 11 continues, After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. (laughs) I just think this is really funny. I don't even know why John put this in there, honestly. Like, he could have just skipped to the part where Jesus says, He's dead, let's go, right? But he puts this little part in there, and I think it's kind of to remind us that we just don't always get it. <laughs> we're, we're a little slow sometimes, right? And Jesus and God are operating on a different level, <laughs> right? But thankfully, right, so, so they're like, well, if he's fallen asleep, I, I, I think he'll wake up, okay? <laughs> now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he had meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, aren't you glad That sometimes God is like, right? (laughs) Tells us plainly. (laughs) Told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. Here comes our Eve. Yep, this is doubting Thomas. We may die with him. Let us also go that we may die with him. Wow. Wow. Doubting Thomas. He gets kind of a bad rap. But right there, that's a huge... Exp- I mean, they were expecting we could die. And he, of all the disciples, is like, guys, let's go. And if we die, we die. Wow. But did you catch that second purpose statement? So that you, my disciples, may believe. Jesus wants his disciples to keep believing in him. They've already been following him, right? Right? So why why is his purpose that they may believe? Because belief is not a one-time thing. We have to keep believing, keep trusting, keep growing in our knowledge of and love for our Savior. There are so many times where we're tempted throughout life not to trust in Jesus, not to keep trusting him, no matter what happens, no matter what life throws at us. We need to keep believing. Trust is one of the primary fuels for relationships, right? That's true in marriage. That's true in parenting. It's true in all of our relationships. We need trust. And so we need to keep trusting God. So we actually see a great example of that for us in Thomas and the disciples, that they even decide to go with Jesus is an example of them trusting Jesus. So will you keep trusting? trusting. Will you trust Jesus even when it costs you? You know, the disciples had seen lots of really cool things happening with Jesus, right? They got to experience miracles. They got to do some miracles to cast out demons, right? They had seen a lot of neat things, but now all of a sudden, trusting Jesus could really cost them. It can be easy to believe in Jesus sometimes when things are going well, when we're thanking him for our blessing, when we do receive that immediate answer to prayer. But will you trust him even when it costs you? Will you do the hard thing that he's calling you to do when you don't know how it's going to work out? May God give us the grace to trust and follow Jesus in any and every circumstance. All right, here comes encounter number two, starting in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So this encounter starts with the situation that Jesus is walking into. Lazarus has already been dead for four days. And so the mourning is well underway. And then this encounter starts with Martha's accusation, really. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. It's your fault he's dead, is what she's basically saying. That's how Jesus is greeted. And of course, we know these are words from a grieving soul. And though they sound bitter and disrespectful even maybe to us, they're actually directed to the right place. And they're perfectly in line with how Scripture teaches us to pray. And she's right. Jesus could have kept Lazarus from dying. So she's not saying anything untrue. And if you look at the followers of God throughout the Bible, and God thinks sometimes we hold back Father. But guess what? He already knows what's in your heart. <laughs> you're, you're not fooling God, <laughs> okay? So, and he can take it. In fact, he wants to take it. We can go to God with everything that we're feeling, everything that we're thinking. And and I believe it's a right understanding of God's sovereignty, his absolute control over everything, to do exactly that. Because when we bring him everything, we're reminding ourselves and proclaiming to him that you are in control of everything. So I'm going to bring everything to you. So don't hide your feelings and thoughts from God. He knows them already take them to him, submit them to him, trust him with them. Because he can handle it all. And as a good father, he wants his children to come to him. You know, with, with teenagers in the house, <laughs> you, those of you who've had teenagers probably know, sometimes it feels like they're just leaving and they don't really want to talk to you. That they, that they, they, they keep things from you, you know? Because I don't know. I don't know what they think. Sometimes it's like they want to do it themselves. Maybe they think they'll get in trouble. Maybe whatever. But as a father, I just want them to tell me what's going on in their lives. Because I want to help. Because I love them. Not so I can punish them. Not so they can be in trouble with me. But because I love them. Because I care. Because I want them to come to me. I want to have that relationship of trust. And so. If that's me, and what does Jesus say? If you, though you are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven? So take everything to him. But Martha doesn't just come to Jesus with complaints and grievings and accusations. She also comes in faith. Look at what she says in verse 22. But even now... I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So even though she's grieving this huge loss, she still trusts her Savior. And as we continue in the encounter, the trust is just highlighted even more. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, here it is, I am the resurrection, and the life. Yes, praise the Lord. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What a great question for us. And he's asking it to Martha, but God's asking it to you. Do you believe this? And she, this grieving woman, who's hurting, who's been mourning already for four days, who watched her brother get sick and die, said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Wow. What a remarkable conversation. Jesus is the resurrection and the life Resurrection and life cannot be separated from Jesus. There is no other resurrection and life apart from Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. And we see Martha's remarkable face expressed at a time when she's mourning. And she's not understanding why Jesus would allow this to happen, but yet she still has faith. And now we move to encounter number three, Jesus' encounter with Mary and the Jews. So verse 28, when she, Martha, had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here. Mary tell, Jesus wants a personal relationship with every single one of us, and he's calling for you. Isn't that cool? He knows your name, and he's calling for you. It reminds me of, of when he rose from the dead, right? And he says, Mary. He knows her by name, and she immediately turns and recognizes him, right? Mary. He knows your name, and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet saying to him Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died again this like it's true and and but it's 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 got to just break Jesus heart you know why weren't you here it's your fault he'd still be alive and when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? The questions and the accusations keep coming. But we also see something so precious that I hope is precious to you. We see Jesus, and he's not the caricature that we sometimes kind of create in our minds of like the stoic teacher, unemotionally dispensing truth. I am the resurrection and the life. Like, Right? We, we, sometimes we get this like straight-faced, cold Jesus who is just the truth. Right? That's not who Jesus is at all. He's emotional. He wept. And the Greek term our texts translate as deeply moved actually carries an element of anger. And though the text doesn't specify what Jesus was angry about, I believe he was and still is angry at sin and its results. Death, distrust, accusations, mourning, loss. Jesus is touched by these things even though he knows he's about to raise Lazarus. He already said in our passage, this this illness does not lead to death. He knows what he's going to do and he is still weeping. So he's not weeping for himself. He's weeping in solidarity with us, with what we go through. That's our Savior, not some unemotional, cold, stoic, dispenser of truth, someone who's down in the dirt with us, who's crying with us, that is Jesus. And he's calling you. The Bible tells us very plainly that God takes no pleasure at the death of the wicked and that he desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of him. God is not cold or aloof about sin and death. And his anger against sin is not just anger about its commission. Like, he's not just angry that people sin. He is. He's angry at sin, but he's also angry at its results. God is not threatened by sin. He hates it, but it's not because it in some way diminishes him or threatens him, right? God isn't threatened. It's not like he's like, oh no, I'm not going to win. <laughs> like, God is not threatened at all by sin. Nothing in the universe. Because it's bad to the people and the world, he's mad in what happens because of sin too. People of God, do you hate sin? And what sin do you hate? Because it's really easy to hate Your sin, their sin, the world's sin. It's really easy to point fingers and hate all of the sin out there and complain about it on Facebook and complain about it to our neighbors and say, wow, this world is really going to hell in a handbasket and just get on our soapbox and hate all of the sin out there. But you know what sin is your biggest problem? Your own. the pastor that I served under when I was a youth pastor said, we need to point the thumb before we point the finger. It's your own sin that is your biggest problem. And that's the sin we need to hate most of all. So do you hate your own sin? And if you do hate it, what are you doing about it? Will you repent and believe over and over and over again? I think one of the marks of Christian maturity is learning to be quick and quicker and quicker and quicker at repenting. So that's pretty soon, it's as soon as we sin, we're like, oh, sorry, God. And then we can just move on right away instead of like defending it, hiding it, you know, trying to make it right ourselves. Just immediately apologize to God and apologize to people. Keep short accounts with God and with others right that's a mark of christian maturity is learning to repent faster and faster but also will you continually offer your body as a living sacrifice asking god to destroy the sin in your life will you do whatever it takes to wage war against the sin that so easily entangles us all do you hate sin All right, let's move on to our fourth and final encounter, Jesus and Lazarus, verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. I think there's some foreshadowing, maybe, of Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, For he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So Jesus' encounter with Lazarus actually begins with another encounter with Martha. Now, the faith she expressed earlier, that, yes, I believe you're the resurrection and the life, now it's being put to the test, right? This is where the rubber meets the road. And sometimes we talk a big faith. But when it actually comes down to it, we're afraid that what God is asking us to do is really going to (laughs) stink, right? Like, no, this is really no, this is going to stink. No, I'm I'm not moving the stone away. (laughs) I'm not going to go talk to that neighbor. I'm not going to try to seek reconciliation in this relationship that's been on the rocks. It's that's it's going to be too hard. It's really going to stink. I don't want to jeopardize my relationship. I don't want to jeopardize my position. No, God, it's going to stink. I'm, I'm not old, but I'm increasingly realizing that I'm not young either. <laughs> and I've been blessed to follow Jesus since I was three or four years old. And one thing I can say with absolute certainty is that I have never, ever regretted following Jesus. There are plenty of things that I do regret in my life. But all of those regrets come from the times where I followed myself, where I followed my own sinful desires, where I was trying to build and protect Luke's kingdom needed. But I have been doing what he asked me. To. It's certainly not always easy, but I've never once regretted it. What about you? Will you trust God and his word and keep doing what he asks you to do? Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if you're afraid it's going to stink. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 41. So they took away the stone. There was the act of faith. They did it, even though they're like, you know, sometimes maybe we're like this, doing what God asks us to do. But they did it. They took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, aren't you glad, by the way, that even when we're like this, God still does miracles? A mustard seed of faith, right? Right. Praise God. And so they're taking away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around and here's our third purpose statement. That they may believe that you sent me. Are you getting a pattern here? for the glory of God that his disciples would believe and that everyone here would believe. Jesus wants everyone to believe in him. And verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen straps and his face wrapped with a cloth, this mummy like walking out. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. What do you need to be unbound from today? Jesus can do it. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So my final question for you today is have you heard and responded to Jesus' call to come from death to life? Because he's still calling people out of graves today. We were all born physically alive, but spiritually dead. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are by nature children of wrath. We were all born enemies, not neutral, not innocent, born enemies. And so we all need to hear Jesus' call to come from death to life. So have you, because his invitation still stands today. He has finished the work He died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead. Just as he rose Lazarus, he rose himself to prove that his payment was acceptable to God. And so by faith, by trusting in Jesus as our Savior and following him as our King, we can receive him as the resurrection and the life. So I'm going to just say that line that Jesus said to Martha that he's saying to all of us this morning, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? If you're trusting in Jesus as the resurrection and the life, we have a great opportunity this morning. So Adrian is going to come and lead us in the Lord's Supper, a time for Jesus' followers to remember him and proclaim his death until he comes again. Come on up and lead us, Adrian.
3: Thank you, Luke. As Luke said, we're now going to partake in communion. Um, here at Hillside, we do it once a month. Um, so that's what we do because it allows us, um, in our opinion, to not be just doing it as part, But we also want to do it He they did for us. If you juice and of the wafer, um, go ahead and raise your hand. And we have some people that can hand them out if you did not grab one. And if you're watching online, uh, you can do this as well. You can use whatever you want. Um, As I've said before, you could use a donut and some chocolate milk. Um, What matters is that we're remembering Jesus, not what we're putting into our bodies right now. I'm going to read... A passage about Jesus during that Last Supper. And it was right before he was going to die on the cross. And so I can imagine he was definitely thinking a lot of things. Um, imagine how you would feel the night before going through such terrible things that no one else in history has ever gone through. And Jesus took one last meal. I was just reading today that it's the most famous meal in history. It's the meal where Jesus sat with his disciples and told them what was going to happen and also gave future generations, including us, a way to remember the great things that he's done for us. So I'm going to begin reading, but you can go ahead and take out the wafer. There's a a little clear plastic piece on top. So you can go ahead and just take out the white wafer, which represents Jesus's body. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Now with this that you have, the wafer symbolizing Jesus's body, we can remember what the Bible tells us, him having his body broken on the cross, being whipped by guards, all the things he went through, that we can find healing, that we get healing because of the suffering that he went through. And so I would like you to just take a couple seconds. Maybe you can close your eyes. And I want you to think of all the ways That God has healed you and that's not only in your body but in your mind and if you have anything that you need from God maybe ask him for it now and trust as Luke said that he has his best plan for you already whatever God's answer to that prayer may be you know that he has your best interest in mind and that all things are going to work together for his glory So go ahead and and thank him for the healing he's given and trust him for the healing that he'll give in the future. Dear God, we thank you for these bodies you've given us, even though they break down and deteriorate. You've given us vessels that we can use to worship you. Um, Thank you for our minds that you've given us the power of curiosity and intellect and of being able to grow and know you more every day. And even though we'll never fully understand your majesty, um, thank you that you reveal yourselves to us a little more every week. I pray for all the needs people have today, God, um, whether here in person or online, that physically, that mentally, that you would touch them. And most of all, we trust you that whatever you do with us, that you have our best in mind and that it's going to be whatever it is, it's going to be that way because we can best glorify you like that. So you can take the way for now. If you'd like to And this is what we use to symbolize and remember the blood that Jesus shed while he was on the cross. I'm going to continue. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so as we hold this, again, you can close your eyes and take a couple minutes thank God for saving you. And think about this, Jesus went through the worst treatment that anyone has ever gone through to save you from the choices you've made on your own. And everything we've done in the past is forgiven. I also encourage you if there's anything that you need to repent of right now, this is a great time to tell Jesus, tell God you're sorry and that you recognize that you were wrong. God, we recognize that at our very core, we so often go the opposite way that you want us to go. That these things we've seen in the Bible of people who make choices, like Jonah going the wrong way, or like David, who knew it was wrong to take someone else's wife. And we see these things and we think that, that they're dramatic, that we wouldn't do things like that. Yet every day, we commit acts that just bring us away from you. And I pray that you would forgive all of us for those things, God. And we also trust you that you forgive us and that your grace is good enough, your grace is powerful enough to wipe those away. And so thank you for dying on the cross that we can not only have life now, but life forever. So go ahead and Let's partake of the grape juice together. I'm going to turn it over to the worship team now. They're going to close us off with some music. So um, I encourage you to stand up. um, Praise God now. And keep in your heart that thankfulness um, for what he went through so that we can be here today.
0: What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus.
2: Just what reflect on Christ has done for us. He brought Lazarus from the grave because he is the resurrection. Death could not hold you, the veil tore
0: before you. You silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are glory, the praise of your glory. No What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is.
2: Where is your state?
0: The resurrected king has rendered you be
2: says because he lives you too also shall live and he is here side time that we could have together, Lord, to be able to hear the Word of God and to uh, receive a challenge that we might live by faith, believing in the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the waymaker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, light in the darkness. God is all we need and so much more Amen saints of God Lord we just thank you for this day this is the day that the Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it Amen saints God bless you as you all go with that blessing the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you may the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace amen god bless you all